0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, December 24th, and this is your FT News Briefing. We waited all day Wednesday, and a trade deal never came. But Britain and the EU could announce their post-Brexit agreement as soon as today. Beijing is going after Alibaba in a new antitrust investigation, while China's trade sanctions against Australia are causing pain back home. Plus, the U.S. corporate landscape has seen some companies thrive during the pandemic, while others have been decimated. We'll look at who might rebound in 2021. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The EU and Britain went into the late hours of the night finalizing a historic post-Brexit trade deal. And it looks like we could find out the details of that deal sometime today. The two sides spent Wednesday night nailing down the legal text. It'll preserve tariff-free trade in goods between the EU and the UK, and it also protects cooperation in areas such as security. But what about the fishing rights that have jammed up talks over the past several weeks? People briefed on the talks say there will be a a five-and-a-half-year transition period. In that time, EU boats can still access UK fishing waters, but the EU's fishing rights will be knocked down by a quarter in that transition period. Still, this deal is being called thin, but it could provide the legal base on which the two sides can rebuild relations. It has, after all, been more than four years since the UK voted to leave the European Union. China is going after its biggest tech company. The country's market regulator announced it was launching an antitrust investigation into Alibaba early Thursday morning local time. It's only been a month since authorities stopped Alibaba's sister company, Ant, from going public. It would have been the world's largest IPO. The regulator says it's looking into what it's called suspected monopolistic behavior by Alibaba, like forcing merchants to sell exclusively on its platform. Beijing has, in recent months, increased its scrutiny of the country's tech groups. This investigation is the most aggressive action by regulators so far. Alibaba has not responded to an FT request for comment about the investigation at the time of this recording. The company's share price fell nearly 3.5% after the regulators' announcement. Tensions between China and Australia continue to simmer. Australia angered China earlier this year by supporting an independent inquiry into the origins of COVID-19. Beijing slapped back with trade sanctions that hit Australia's wine and barley exports. But its ban on Australian coal exports is hurting Chinese industries. The FT's China economics reporter Sun Yu has been reporting on this.
1: A lot of power plants in the developed provinces have upgraded their facility to adapt to Australian coal which is more efficient. And now they're having trouble finding alternatives because local coals, they report a much lower kilocalorie per kilogram as opposed to the Australian thermal coal. So which means for the time being, Chinese power plants are producing at a less efficient manner.
0: And as you've reported, steel mills are feeling the shortage of the Australian coal. And so are small factories, especially in coastal provinces where the government has imposed power rationing. But how are ordinary Chinese feeling about the effect of the coal import bin?
1: In many cities, the public are already having trouble securing a stable supply of electricity, which really are causing trouble to their daily lives. In certain cities in eastern and central China, the entire residential buildings have to shut down the elevator because of a power shortage.
0: How is the government responding to this? Are they acknowledging the difficulties caused by its trade ban?
1: First of all, the government denied that this has anything to do with the import ban of Australian coal. Then it made a big effort to increase the domestic coal consumption. The problem is, in order to meet the emission standards, China has set a production quota for major coal mines in northern China, where most of the coal is produced. So they're reluctant to produce more coal to meet domestic demand. And that's where Australian coal originally comes in.
0: Sun Yu is the FT's China economics reporter. The pandemic cleaved the U.S. economy in two. There were clear winners and clear losers. Many industries were crushed by the change in consumer spending habits. Think airlines, hotels, and in-person entertainment. Other companies emerged bigger and stronger than ever. Think Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple. Our U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliffe johnson describes it as a winner-take-all economy. He joins me now to talk about it. Hey, Edge. Hi, Mark. So, Edge, what do you mean by winner-take-all?
2: Well, quite simply, the big got bigger this year, much bigger. Mm. Through the pandemic, we've heard economists talk about the possibility of a K-shaped recovery, as they call it, where the wealthiest get wealthier and the poorest get poorer. These two lines diverge like a K. But we are already seeing that in the business world. The companies that went into this crisis with the strongest brands, with the market-leading positions, and with the balance sheets to back that up the ones that are coming through its strongest. At the same time, the companies that were weak, that were maybe number three, four, five in the market that didn't have the same strong brands have really suffered.
0: Who else would be considered a winner? And what does this say in particular about the economy?
2: So in first, it was The people who made a really difficult year a little bit easier, and that's those big grocery stores like Walmart and Target and Home Depot that had the capacity to stay open and keep paying their people. Uh, It was the fast food chains like McDonald's and Starbucks that could pivot to drive-through and delivery. The video and music streaming platforms, Netflix, Roku, Spotify, who kept us from going completely crazy while stuck at home, and the enterprise tech companies like Slack and Obviously, Zoom, which kept us all productive, or we were scattered away from our offices. But the second big trend, I think, was that we saw several years' worth of growth in e-commerce happening in one. Retailers almost across the board reported a step change in customer behaviour. You know, people who had never really ordered much online suddenly started doing so because they were stuck at home and they were scared to go to the store. So, this is the kind of growth that we haven't seen for since the early days of e-commerce.
0: So if the companies that thrived are the ones that benefited from this stay-at-home culture, I have a pretty good guess which ones we might consider the losers of 2020. Uh, who was worst hit and what does that tell us?
2: Well, you're right. I mean, a lot of it was the ones that rely on us going out, traveling, meeting people in person. It was airlines, hotels, restaurants, uh, for obvious reasons. But there were also small businesses, as I, as I said, who don't didn't have the resources to keep people on the payroll for weeks or months when they were closed down, who didn't even have the resources to provide proper PPE or sort of safety comfort for their customers. What was interesting, I think, about this year is it was also the middling businesses, You know, sometimes multi-billion dollar companies, you know, but they were number three or four or five in their market, not number one or two. And by and large, I think the ones who you saw actually file for bankruptcy were the, those who went into the pandemic with already fragile balance sheets. It was people like Hertz, the car rental company, you had department stores, which were looking a bit faded, like J.C. Penney and Neiman Marcus, and the sort of dressier retailers like Ann's Warehouse and Brooks Brothers.
0: Let's look to 2021. Say the vaccine starts taking effect and workers can go back to the office and businesses reopen. The economy picks up. Will winners just get bigger now that they have this advantage? And will losers be able to make up all the ground they lost?
2: Well, big picture, investors still expect interest rates to stay historically low and sustain efforts from central banks and Washington to keep stimulating the economy, and that should support profits and asset prices. But there's been this widening split between what equity markets and what the real economy are doing. But I think the ones that point to lasting behavioral changes, like the rise of e-commerce, which is an acceleration of an existing trend, or working from home more often, those look set to continue and to keep powering some companies growth on the losing side i think the comeback is going to vary by sector you know most airlines and hotels are not expecting a full recovery in 2021 and you know they're not going to get a lot of business travelers and conferences and conventions coming back so that's the the lucrative business for them and it's not going to return but those that have the resources to make it through the coming months and, and maybe all of 2021 are starting to talk with cautious optimism about the possibility of a roaring 20s being just around the corner. So there is still some optimism, even among those very beaten up corners of the economy.
0: But, but Edge, didn't, didn't the, the roaring 20s end with the Great Depression?
2: They did, Mark, but don't rain on their parade now.
0: <laughs> I won't, I won't. Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson is the FT's U.S. Business Editor. Thanks for joining us, Edge. Thanks, Mark. One more thing before we go. It looks like U.S. President Donald Trump won't be leaving the White House quietly. After granting clemency to more than a dozen individuals on Tuesday, late last night he issued another series of pardons. This time to 26 people, including three close associates of Mr. Trump and his family, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, and his son-in-law's father, Charles Kushner. This was on the same day he vetoed a $740 billion defense spending bill, setting up a clash with Congress in the final days of his presidency. You can read more on this and all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. We're taking a break for the rest of 2020. Thanks for listening and for all of your support. We'll be back on Monday, January 4th, 2021. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help from Gavin Coleman, Michael Bruning, and Amy Keene
2: Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation...